pray that you would give us hearts that are open and attentive to receive as you minister to us through her this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Simon. Good morning, everybody. It's such an honor to be up here. I love this church family so much. We've been here for, I think this is our third year? Is it our fourth winter? Oh gosh, it's, time has flown, but it's been such a joy just growing together and walking with everybody, and um, I would just like to say that I have my kick butt shoes on today, so we're in for a treat. Hannah, you know what it's like when you're feeling like not confident and not put together. You just got to look good. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I went on a fast recently. Um, I felt like God was challenging me to just stop distracting myself with all these different things. And um, so I did. I fasted. I decided I was going to fast for 40 days. I was going to fast chocolate and um, computer games. I have a little game that I play on the iPad. And I kind of something else. So by day three, I had fallen off the wagon. Basically, I had replaced hot chocolate with chai tea. I had replaced the iPad games with the Great British Baking Show. So there you go. <laughs> there is how you successfully fast. Just take something that you really love and just replace it with something else. You know, it's like Gwyneth Paltrow in that movie where she's like, yeah, I'm trying to give up cigarettes. I mean, trying to give up the gum, and so now I'm on the cigarettes. And You know that movie? No, sorry. <laughs> Ten years ago. Okay. We're talking about Amazing Grace this morning. Um, and it's the final one in the series, and it's entitled Inviting Grace, or Amazing Grace for Your Devotional Life. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of a devotional life. Maybe just like someone's nice little snappy shot on Instagram, you know, the Bible verse, and then the little blah, 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 this is what I think, amen, hallelujah, and everyone likes, and they comments, and that's your devotional, awesome. Um, we're going to read a scripture this morning, which shows something way, way more radical and more profound and richer and deeper than we can ever hope to find elsewhere. And it's, it, just, it just sets us up. And I have to be honest, there was a good chance that I wasn't going to come and stand up here this morning just because of how much this word has been wrecking me this last week. At one point, I, I honestly just felt, you know what, like I, Simon, I, I don't think I can do it. I, I just, just with everything that God has been showing me in my own heart, the, the sin, the brokenness, the ugliness that I have becoming, been becoming aware of just makes me feel like I, I should not be up here. So I really, what I want to encourage you with is that this is a journey that we are all on, and I I'm only standing up here because I feel like I have allowed God to do some very deep work in me so that I can demonstrate to you that you can have boldness and confidence to allow God to do some very deep and hard work on your hearts. Can we do that? Can we agree? Will you go with me on this journey? Okay, you can open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Um, we have some in the boxes in the center aisle, or turn on your phones. I've got a lot of Bible in my talk this morning, and I will try and just keep it going, be pasty, not, not, not take too long, but 
It's just all so good. Okay, let's go for it. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Verse 14, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, we've only got one good Presbyterian in the room, okay. Uh. Um, I just cannot, I, I cannot read this and not think like this is just worlds apart from like picking your favorite Bible verse just to kind of buoy you up during the day or um, just doing anything which seems sort of light and easy and pat answers. This just seems so profound to me. And, you know, when I think of devotional life, we um, recently, we, well, about a year ago, we got these devotionals for the kids. You know, it has a Bible verse and then a Bible story, and then it has like a, a little applicable story to today. You know, if Johnny does this to you on the playground, like how do you respond? And, and then questions for reflection. And so we've been trying to kind of get into the habit of like the kids like reading the Bible, underlining it in the beginning. Evie used to just cross them out. <laughs> so bits of her Bible are now crossed out. So there we go. Um, and they, they, they really enjoyed it. And at one point, uh, Judah, he was about four. He was like, oh, mama, can we please this evening? I really want to do the emotional. <laughs> And so I was like, the emotional? He was like, yeah, yeah, the emotional. Let's get the Bible. I was like, yeah, you're actually more accurate than you realize. <laughs> In order to draw near to God, we have to be changed. Psalm 24 verse 3 says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. It's such a paradox. God accepts us as we are through the blood of Jesus, says we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, and so we can draw near to the throne of grace. And yet, even though he accepts us, he does not stop working on our hearts and changing us until we reach perfection, or you die, basically. Go to heaven, and then you are perfect. He, um, later on in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, by a single offering, he, Jesus, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. The whole book of Hebrews is just amazing. It's about what Jesus actually did so that we can draw near. 
God longs to be near to us. Do you know that? Have you ever heard that? Not just that he longs to be near us so that we don't like go to hell one day so that we'll be in heaven with him forever, but he longs for intimacy with us. He went through so much in order for us to experience daily fellowship with him. Hour to hour, minute to minute, we were created for intimacy with him. I mean, he spent hundreds of years planning for our rescue. You know, in the garden, Adam and Eve were walking with God and they were intimate, they had unbroken fellowship. And then of course, sin entered the world through their, our rebellion. And then he had to bring Jesus, Emmanuel. And I I want to recommend that you listen to Simon's sermon from two weeks ago, um, his Christmas sermon. But it was amazing, it was God with us, Emmanuel. Um, it's the title of, this, of the sermon is um, Present Grace, Amazing Grace, um, the Withness of God in Jesus. So in that sermon, he really unpacks how Jesus bridges the gap, how in Jesus we are near to God. And what I wanna talk about this morning is also to do with drawing near, but perhaps more on a practical note, what are some of the things which prevent us from drawing near to God? I mean, I've, I've been walking with the Lord for many years, ups and downs. There've been times of incredible richness in my walk with God, and there have been times where, frankly, like it's been dry, and it's been spiritually really hard to connect. I've Frankly, the last three months have been very, very difficult trying to connect and just feeling like there's been some kind of wall. And I feel like God um, was challenging me. Okay, so you need to figure out, you need to realize what are some of these things that are separating you? What are some of the things that hinder us from drawing near? It says um, in the beginning of that verse, Hebrews 4.11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And that rest that he's talking about is the Sabbath rest for the people of God. It's the, when we are reconciled to him, when we have been made right with God through Jesus. And he's saying, it's a caution, let us not fall by the same sort of disobedience as the, he, and he refers back to the Israelites who hardened their hearts. And so my prayer for us this morning is that our hearts would be soft to God, that we would hear what he has to say, that we would be receptive, and that we would not fall into disobedience by having hard hearts and miss his rest that he has for us. So I have three things that prevent us from drawing near, and I call them pit, the pitfalls. Okay, so P-I-T. The first one is pride. We don't acknowledge that we are needy or sinful. Um, The second one is, and I'll go into these in more detail. Second one, ignorance. If you don't even know that you are needy, how will you approach God? The third one, temporary satisfaction or soul junk food. We satisfy our needs with worldly things. Um, I told you how I attempted this fast uh, a few uh, weeks ago. Um, I felt that God was saying to me, I have prepared a table for you, Shirley. There is a feast waiting for you. 
but you are not hungry for it because you are already so full with so many distractions and so many things. And I was thinking about in this world today how we have expendable income to spend on things like entertainment. We have our phones which just have news and apps and so much information and funny things and funny videos to watch on YouTube when you're feeling sad and you know the fridge is so full and there's hot chocolate um, always on tap in my house. Um, and I just felt that God was saying, do you realize how much I have for you? But it's like showing up to a friend's house for Thanksgiving and they have this amazing feast, but you stop by the gas station and you've had a whole packet of chips and beef sticks and you know, a, slush, a Slurpee and, you know, and you're not even hungry for this amazing feast that your friend has made. And we have, we have so much access to God's word. Just to put it in some context, it's only been about 500 years that we've actually even been able to have a Bible. Um, bless that person, whoever <laughs> is in trouble or needs help. Um, focus. In, for, in the 15th century, the Gutenberg printing press revolutionized life as we know it. People up until that time, you had to go to the synagogue or you had to go to the church to you know, meet in people's homes or wherever you were meeting to hear the word being preached. There was no such thing as, well, open your Bibles to page whatever or chapter. They were reliant on the word of mouth of the pastor. So the, pa the pastor or the um, scholar, they would read often from the Latin or the Greek or the Hebrew, which most people couldn't understand. They would read it and then they would interpret it and people would memorize the words. They would memorize it, take it home. They would tell their families. They were expected to make the text a central part of their lives. And I wanted to just recommend this. Um, it's, just, it's a short article if you want to look it up. It says, how first Christians challenge us to be Bible readers. It's at the instituteforbiblereading.org. And they were saying how, you know, in the early church, people were not able to uh, write very well. There were most people were illiterate and the writing materials were costly and expensive. Travel to distribute the literature was dangerous and costly, and yet they went out of their way to write, to copy the text, to send letters, to proclaim the good news of Jesus. New um, believers that were converted through the proclamation of the word, they were immersed into these communities and they made the Bible, the text, central to their way of life. It says in Job 23:12, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. There's a story of where Paul um, was preaching and he would preach hours. I mean, I'm gonna be done here soon. He preached hours late into the night and one guy fell out of the window and died because he was so tired, like listening to Paul preaching. He got resurrected, it was amazing, and more people got added to the church, but I mean, they were hungry. And I 
just really sense that God challenging me, like, are you hungry? Are you hungry for my word? His word is what changes us. So I started with the temporary satisfaction because that's the easiest one. Um, Let's go to pride, where we do not acknowledge that we are needy and sinful. You know, um, it's very easy to cover up your brokenness and your sin with many ways to distract yourself, many good works, many things that you can do to try and present yourself in a good way. Even just following Jesus, I mean, gosh, I've been walking with God for a long time and he's been working on my heart for years, but I I realized that even just up until a few nights ago, there were some parts of my soul that I was definitely not letting him get into. And what, what happened was that the people around me saw some things that I had hurt them. And there is nothing more painful than having somebody close to you tell you how you have hurt them, how your actions have impacted them. And I feel like by God's grace, he really allowed me to see. It was like this magnifying glass opened up over my heart. And I saw that not only had I been mean, had an angry outburst, but that it was a thread that ran throughout my life. It was a thread that had gone all the way back to childhood when I would like boss my little brothers and sisters around. And it wrecked me. I, I can't explain to you like how, how awful it felt. It felt just like being naked and exposed. It felt like the sword of God piercing to the division of soul and spirit. The thoughts and intentions of my heart were open. And you know, I was laying sobbing on the couch like I didn't want to wake up Simon, so I went out into the to the lounge and I was just like, God, like help me. Like I, I've been hiding this for years. I've been trying to work my way around it. I've been praying. I've been not even realizing. And, and he just whispered to me, he said, draw near to the throne of grace. Draw near to the throne of grace. And I realized that this word that I, I had my sermon all prepared, people. It was like, had all my points, had everything. And God was like, this word is working on your heart. This is what it looks like to draw near to God. This is what it looks like to come into intimacy with the creator of the universe. It is painful and devastating and cleansing and beautiful. The peace that I felt in that moment, as I, I honestly felt like you could have just scraped me off the floor, the peace that I felt, it was almost like I had been born again. Honestly, the, the feeling that I had was reminding me of that first time when I came to Jesus and I realized that my sin had been washed away and I was made new and honestly, I was just, it was just so beautiful and sobering. So we need to allow people in our lives 
to point us towards our need for God's grace. One of the reasons why we can stay in pride is if you isolate yourself and if you don't allow people to come close to you. You know, the early church, they centered their lives around community. There were, there, there've always been two ways the word works. There's your private reading and meditating on the scriptures, but then there is the public, the communal proclamation of the word. There is the prophetic word of God that is declared to the people of God that we need to hear and we need to be a part of. And I think we in some ways have become very individualized in our concept of devotional life. It is about withdrawing, it is about getting time alone with God, but it is also about gathering together and allowing the word of God through other people to impact and work on our lives. You cannot do it in isolation. You will have blind spots. You will kid yourself into thinking that you are all that. I can stand up here and give a fantastic sermon, but if I go home, and the people that I love are like, you are hurting us by the way you are acting. That is where God is working. It's not so much what the world sees, it's what is really in here. And so I encourage you that community and God's words spoken through the body of Christ to each other. You know, as we pray for each other, as we lay hands on each other, I mean, Jorge just came and shared an encouraging word with me here, and Casey texted me about a a verse um, earlier, and you know, we together minister God's word to each other. The second one, ignorance, Guys, we just got to tighten our belts, okay? I'm going to say some things that are going to be, be a little hard. I, just in praying, I was like, God, are you sure? And he was like, yeah, got to do it. Okay. So we are in ignorance if you don't realize how needy you are. Maybe you, maybe you don't even realize that God loves you. Maybe you don't even realize that God actually wants to draw near to you. As you read the Bible... In its entirety, you discover the truth about who God is. You know, um, Rick Warren, in The Purpose Driven Life, I've got some girls that I'm going through it together. He said, you can't love God unless you know him, and you can't know him without knowing his word. And I would go further and say that you can't know him entirely unless you have read the entire Bible. If you always go to certain verses, you are missing bits, and therefore you are leaving yourself open to ignorance, to areas that you are completely blind to, that you don't realize. Amen. (laughs) Okay, buckle your belts, here we go. Isaiah 58, this is very challenging for me, and I think it's also for us. It says, Isaiah 58 verse 7, over 6 Is this not the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? I have several question marks put next to that in my Bible, like God, okay, 
When was the last time you invited a homeless person into your house? Like, gosh, like we can be in ignorance until we read it and then we're like, okay, well now you know, you're welcome. So you gotta do something about that. It's really, it's really quite challenging. The second thing that I was thinking about, this is also for me personally, is um, Ephesians 5:22. You know, wives, respect your husbands um, or submit to your husbands, however your translation is, uh, puts it. And I realized like, gosh, like I have a real independent spirit. And there are times when God has to really just be, you know, show me like you are being disrespectful. And that's very painful too. And I would like you all to turn with me to Revelation 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Guys, heaven is going to be multicultural, multi-ethnic. As I look at our church, as much as I love us, we are mostly white. And I've been having some really hard conversations with some dear friends who identify as people of color, and they have confessed to me that they don't feel very accepted in this place. They don't feel like they are being invited to go deeper. And I don't wanna be a part of a church that is not gonna be like heaven. And so I, my prayer to God is, God, how are you gonna take us there? You love us so much. He's such a gracious father. But there are some truths that we need to realize. Malcolm Gladwell says in his book, Talking to Strangers, and I listened to an interview with him, he said that if all your friends look like you, then you live in a homogenous society and you are by definition in ignorance. If you are only surrounded by people who are a middle class income and you don't interact with people who are poorer than you or people who are just, just different from you, you are also in ignorance. And I just felt God, the weight of this, but he's so good, he's so good, he's never condemning, but I just felt the soberness that we have a long way to go. We need to learn how to be better at having hard conversations. We need to be better at allowing God to challenge us where we are blind. We have blind spots and we are in ignorance in so many ways and we need people who are different from us to be able to show us where those blind spots are. We don't even realize that we hurt people sometimes. We don't even realize some of the things and the ways that we act that cause misunderstanding or hurt. But God's word illuminates our hearts. He shines a light on us and then he shows us the way. The the washing of the word brings me so much hope. I, I sometimes say to God, God, how can you love your church? 
not just us. I mean, obviously he loves us. But you know, you talk about, there's so many things that are wrong. And he was like, surely she is my bride. You do not get to trash talk my bride. She may not be perfect, but I am working on her. It says in Ephesians 5, 25, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. That's so encouraging. Back to Hebrews chapter four, our high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He has been where we are. He is kind and compassionate. And we are able to find the mercy and grace that we need to draw near to his throne of grace. So we see that God's word is the primary vehicle for drawing near to him. Number one, it ministers truth to us by confronting, exposing, and challenging who we really are. I mean, I don't want that. Nobody in their right mind wants that. But it's gotta be done. It's like changing a poopy diaper. Who wants to do that? Nobody, right? You gotta do it. (laughs) My time is done with that. So, (laughs) God's word exposes who we are, but not so that we can feel bad about ourselves and just stop there, but so that we can draw near to him and be cleansed, so that we can draw near to him and be called up to where we are supposed to be, to who we are supposed to be. It ministers truth to us about our weaknesses and our sins, and it ministers truth to us about the solution. Jesus passed through death. He passed through the worst humiliation and pain and was raised up again so that we can be raised with him, seated at the right hand of God, clothed in his righteousness, even with all of our faults and failings. Will we be brave enough to allow his word to work on our hearts? And I want to end with the feast. Jesus says in the word through David, it starts by saying, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff are with me. Then he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. There is a feast that God has presented to us. His presence, his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, everything that we need. Will we turn away from our temporary satisfactions? Let's ask ourselves, what are the things that are causing me not to pay attention to my pain? You know, as I was fasting, gosh, I started realizing like I am really angry. I have, you know, like in the movie Inside Out, like the little people, I have the little red mad guy like holding, pushing the knobs, like all the time. I did not realize that. (laughs) 
Will we pay attention to how we are really feeling as we set aside the things that distract us and then allow God to minister to us? I'd like to ask the band to come up, if that's what we're doing, I think. But um, I know that, this is, that some of this stuff has been a little bit hard, and I've been praying so hard that you guys would hear my heart, um, that the Holy Spirit would work on us. There are so many ways that we all need to change, and God is great, gracious in that he doesn't just show us everything, because I think we would just disintegrate and die, kind of like Thanos, what he did to everybody, just melt away. He doesn't do that. He, he knows how much we can handle, um, but he's also given us boldness to draw near, find that grace in time of need. So, Jesus, we're here. We're here and we're listening. Won't you work on our hearts? You, are, you alone know each of us. You know the things that we need to let go of. You know the areas that we need to become awake to, the things that we just don't even realize. Help us see where we have pride. Help us see where we are ignorant. Help us see where we self-medicate and numb our emotions instead of turning to you. You are so good and so gracious. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You're now listening to Grace City Portland 103.9.